Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Right into the 7 o'clock hour we go. Payne and Pendergast, good to be with you. Back in studio, back from spring training. And um, we had a good week out there. Uh, I would say the pitch clock is, you know, as good as the Astros are, the pitch clock seemed to be as big a story, Seth, as anything going on with the team. You know, it's a team that has Jordan Alvarez still out with a, a recovering from soreness in his hand. Michael Brantley still recovering from a shoulder. Alex Bregman finally got in this weekend. you got a bunch of guys that are getting ready to go play in this World Baseball Classic, which we'll get to, we'll get to that in a second. I got a big, pro- I got a big problem with the World Baseball Classic. I hate it. Um, but the pitch clock was a big topic here. You, I, I had not seen this. You, you put this in here, and, and I had seen that, there was a, that the Astros played in a very high-scoring game against the Braves on the day that we left. I did not know that this was the case. In a game with 19 runs, 25 hits, and 34 runners left on base, the game was – is this true? The game was two hours and 28 minutes long? Yeah. Wow. Unless uh, unless fan graphs or wherever I pulled – I think I pulled that from Baseball Savant. Yeah. Okay. Uh, unless they're lying, that's true. Well, yeah, that's that, – that's... <laughs> What do you mean, is it true? Was that you no, thought no, I no, put a just, lie up no, there or no, something? No, it's, that's yeah. my, my, my being aghast at that is not a commentary about you. It's a commentary <laughs> no. about how crazy that number is. Yeah. Um, things are moving along. I think the big fear right now uh, is, okay, is – is this going to give some pitchers way too much of an advantage um, if they have a plan against a batter and they can just go up there and boom, 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 boom? I think it. I think it. Personally, I think there's going to be instances where it's a huge advantage in given situations for both batters and pitchers. Um, I think sometimes the communication between. I mean, we saw this with uh, Luis Garcia, right? When Luis Garcia. Well, the catcher was asking for a either a slider or a cutter and a cutter, and he just at the last minute said, "Oh, I got to throw something. I'm going to throw a fastball. fastball." And it worked out. Yeah, but you know sometimes that's not going to work out. Nope. So I think there's disadvantages to both sides. You can't really look at minor league stats and say that you know for sure how it's going to go because obviously the the strategy and the cat and mouse game between the pitcher and catcher in the majors is a lot different, and there's a lot more preparation and background behind it than there is in AAA. So um, I, I I like that. Like I personally, I think there's going to be some scoring runs that are just blitzkriegs. I, I think it's just a pitcher's going to start to get in trouble, and you've only got so many mound visits in a game, and you either you're either <laughs> like. What are you gonna? You're gonna try to take. You're gonna take a ball to try to slow everything down intentionally. So I think there's gonna be some scoring runs that just feel like an absolute onslaught, um, which is awesome if you're the team on offense. But if you're not, then it's uh, it's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Astros, this just in, I think are gonna have a pretty good offense this year. And, and as a manager, you're gonna have to sit there and think like you have so much less time to think about whether you should pull a pitcher or not. And and make that decision and pull the trigger because it's just boom, 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 boom. That part's a little scary. And when you got an older manager, look, Dusty did a great job last year. They won the World Series. And I thought, by and large, you know, when a team wins the World Series, inherently go, the guy did a great job. There may have been little things that Dusty did along the way. I know there were little things that irked me about the way he did the lineups and so forth. Um, this is this is going to be, a, you're right, this is going to be an interesting transition into this new age of this rule book of guys having to, having to maybe make decisions, not even the speed with which they need to make it, but the yeah. different lens that they need to look at things through with this new speed of the game, you know, and, and how they allocate yeah. those mound visits and slowing the game down. And it's it's going to be a lot more like basketball, Seth, I think, where you got to be real strategic 
you about your stoppages. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you're you, gonna like you a mound visits a timeout. Yeah, yeah. And, like th- <laughs> three years ago or four years ago, before they had the mound visit rule, however long ago it was, you could just go visit the mound. The, the pitching coach could go out there. You know, not every pitch, but you could go out there quite a bit before the manager went out there, and you could batters could stop the game, pitchers could stop the game. Time, like actual, this is like having timeouts now. This you've got to you've got to be judicious about using them. It's going to be yeah. it's really interesting, man. Really yeah. interesting. Um, also, uh, oh yeah, Dusty. Speaking of lineup stuff, Dusty basically said, "Yeah, Brantley will be number two. We yeah, what that, do you think uh, of that? Uh, I think that yeah, Pena had a great playoffs, but Brantley's been a really good hitter for a much, much, much longer time. So yeah. I think that I, I, I there are a couple things that happened where. Based on the playoffs, I think people are a little too exuberant, maybe, because it is—it's a small sample size when it happens in the playoffs. And I don't personally, I don't think it should count for like twice or three times as much as anything in the regular season. But I think Pena and his stretch—I think he look—he made a swing change that I think is going to stick. But Brantley's just solid, steady, dependable. He—he's fine at number two. Uh, and then the other one is just Chaz McCormick. I think um, I think people are pen. I, I I think people some are mentally like kind of penciling him as far superior to Jake Myers without accounting for the fact that Jake Myers was dealing with a, a shoulder issue all last year. Yeah. The Pena thing is interesting because this team's record was really, really, really good with him in the two-hole last year. Yeah. And, and, that, and, yeah, that, and that, yeah. that record obviously includes some of the portion of the year where Pena was struggling a little bit. I, I don't get too wrapped up in spots in the order in that fashion. Um, I, I can go either way. Look, Brantley's gonna have to be healthy. That's the biggest thing. Wherever they bat him, he's got to be healthy. But he, but D- Dusty's rationale for it was just very Dusty. It was like, well, he's been good at this a lot longer than Jeremy Pena has, and thus he will step right back into his role as the number two hitter. I'm like, but I can't, but I agree with that. It's not. I, <laughs> I mean, thought it was funny. That's all. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, but I mean, he's. You know what? A stat nerd would try to figure out a way to say the same thing, except may make it sound way more annoying. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, if you if you look at the sample size of the playoffs relative to the expected drop off in a guy that Brantley's age, uh, yeah, it's he's been Boy, doing it longer. That is a cush spot, though, man. Right in between Altuve and Jordan Alvarez. That's nice. That yeah. is a nice spot in the order to have right there. Um, this World Baseball Classic, uh, it starts tomorrow, I think. Uh, I will watch none of it because that's my silent protest of the World Baseball Classic. I hate, I hate that about half of the regular. Houston Astros are going to play in this thing. Yeah. I don't um, need them playing baseball that's not Astros baseball. I don't need them where, diving around and sliding on behalf of their countries. Don't why, need it. Uh, I, don't, I, I feel like I was alone in my disdain for the World Baseball Classic back in 2017. Which, By the way, everybody, it happens every three years. I don't know. Is there another international tournament that happens every three years instead of every four years or every two years? I don't know off the top of my head, but it's stupid. Yeah. They didn't have one in 2020 because of because uh, yeah. people were upset about the Astros, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But the, the biggest issue that we had in 2017 was that the manager was old man Jim Leland, who didn't give Alex Bregman hardly any at-bats. I'm fine with Like, I actually like the idea of guys going off and playing games that matter somewhat. Uh, you know, guys are playing for the pride of their country. So they're going to get live at-bats, maybe under a little bit more pressure. I like it for the younger guys in particular. But they got to they gotta actually get reps. They actually got to get some at-bats. Yeah. That's why I didn't like it then. Yeah, I, uh, I, I hope like crazy I don't have to come back and say I told you so after the World Baseball Classic because we lost the Houston Astros somewhere along the way. That's all. I just don't need them playing in this thing, Seth. 
What's just that they would be they would be playing in spring training games, but very little. I you know just an at bat here and an at bat there. I, if they're going to get hurt, I want them to get hurt in an Astro uniform. I don't want them getting hurt in the uniform of their of their country. That's they don't all. get this. Is not like exhausting or anything because the they're it's they're all star rosters with everyone. It's not like they're overusing guys. Okay. or anything. All right. This is uh, and it's a cool look. It's it's growing the game internationally. It's so it's good for baseball okay. theoretically. Yeah, uh, I, I don't um, I don't like that they kind of go by some of these Olympic rules that you know guys. I, I it's like oh I had a grandfather who was from this country so now that now I'm representing that country. I say yeah I say yeah stay wherever you are Wh- whoever you're a citizen of that moment. Okay, the rule but mostly book, I want America to be better. The the, yeah. the rule book the rule book that's a legitimate concern. I know my concern. I'm kind of concerned about an injury boogeyman right now. I'll admit that. You yeah. bringing up that they're going to play in spring training games if they're not at the World Baseball Classic. Fair enough. Uh, I, I think it's legitimate to, at least in the short term, not like the fact that the Astros and all these teams, all these players who have spent the last offseason and really the hardcore part of the beginning of spring training trying to get acclimated to this new rule book are going to go yeah. play a week's worth of baseball under the old rules all of a sudden. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's going to be too tempting. If you're struggling, like, okay, if Altuve is playing for Venezuela and he's struggling at the plate and it's the, it's the bottom of the ninth inning, is he going to really stick to the new rules and practice his new abbreviated routine? Probably not. He's going to do what's comfortable. So I'm with you there. Yeah. This, is a, this is a bad year to be playing the World Baseball Yeah, classic. yeah. From that, I mean, now that's not, that wasn't my primary reason. I will admit I'm not backtracking on that. But I think that's a legitimate one that any Astro fan or fan of any of these guys for your respective MLB teams should feel. Um, we got a... a um, a tweet from um, at Dream Team Apple One, uh, who saw some of our pictures from spring training, Seth, of yeah. uh, of us out there, and um, the one in particular that he saw was the one where I you ordered a kind of a, a fufu looking drink for me at uh, the bar we were at on our way out of town on Friday. Yeah, sort of a purple a, and yellow a, pineapple <laughs> drink. It was purple haze, right? Is that what it, it was, was a purple haze martini or something. Yeah, but it was a, it had a pineapple on the it top. It did. So I thought that you should order it in honor of Yuli Gurriel, La Pina. Right, and I did, and then I held it up for the camera, and the background caught you just looking at me disgustedly that I just ordered this drink that you encouraged me to order. Yeah, um, yeah. Th- this is what Dream Apple One, Dream Team Apple One says this though. Okay, what is Seth Payne's anti-aging secret? This guy looks rather incredible, and not a day over thirty-five. Some ex-FNFL players age so gracefully, it's remarkable. Got to share those diet or workout routines. Also, I sometimes watch Seth on YouTube. Excellent oh. Texans content. Thanks. Oh. That's oh, right. Dream well, Team Apple One wants to know what your anti-aging secret is. It's probably the filter on your phone in low light <laughs> or something. You but do not look your age. You, 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 well, are, thank you. you hold your age very well. Yeah. Dr. Linville helped out with the hair restoration. Did? That's, a that good, was a, that's, that's a big one. Good yeah. recommendation. Um, do, I didn't think it was going to make as big a difference as it did. What is, um, your, what is your workout routine? Workout routine is at least a half hour of getting my heart elevated per day. Like whether it's by circuit training or bicycle or something like that, and then I try to like I try to walk every day too. To there's something like evolutionarily about just walking and getting your getting your body moving forward and looking at the land, like walking outside. I, I feel like that helps a lot. And then a lot of it is just Brandy's really good about 
Brandy just cooks really healthy. Keeping you in check. Shops really healthy. I shop and go, and truth be told, I do a lot of the cooking, except Brandy's like the dietician that chooses everything. So, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of like, I don't know, kind of paleo-ish. I'm not not hardcore paleo or anything, but it's a lot of vegetables and fruit and... um, and just lean, lean meats and all of that. I thought you did pretty well uh, away from Brandy for the week last week. I didn't think you went off the rails at all. Uh, well, oh, well, you didn't you know have what? your, you know, your, your uh, watchdog yeah. there, Brandy. You know what helps? It just because of the simplicity of it is intermittent fasting. Mm. There's, um, which, like, let's be honest, everybody, it's it's skipping breakfast. My God, can we not? Can we not? We're like a bunch of baseball nerds with this stuff. Like, what are you doing for your diet? Uh, intermittent hypertonic fasting. I skip breakfast. All right. right, right. So uh, I skip breakfast. So I try to go like 16 to 18 hours without eating, especially when I'm on vacation. Um, and then that way, even if you do some damage with bad choices, it's a, it's a very small window. Yeah. But there's all kinds, all kinds of evidence that it would help with anti-aging if you do, if you, if you get a window of at least 14 to 18 hours per day where you don't eat, let your body kind of learn how to operate without a steady infusion of calories. You were out of the house before anybody was up, uh, throughout the week last week, getting your steps in. You, you yeah. were, you were leaving the house I mean, I got up at four thirty every morning, and you were already gone. And that was, and I know you're like saying getting your steps in, just like is a loose term. But I, I'm actually kind of anti step counting. So yeah, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, but as far as getting out and walking, right, yeah. right, right. I was, uh, and that's when I listen to my audio books too. Hmm. So sometimes people ask how I read so much. I try to be open about it. Like mm-hmm. half of my reading is actually listening to audio books. Mm. It's not. Um, I try to be transparent about that. I don't want to be a fraud. What do you like better, reading the actual book or listening to the audio book? Or does it depend on the book? It depends on the book. Okay. If it's something that's kind of technical, like science-y, yeah. I, uh, I, like to, I like to read the pages because sometimes you've got to think about it. You, you yeah, stop and ponder go things. back and read it again. Yeah, it's yeah. easier to do that on a written book than on an audio book. For my historical fiction, I like, uh, I like listening to it, okay. especially with the really good storytellers. They're the guys that can do the voices. It's tricky to be uh, these days. It's very, very tricky. You got to have a really good audio audio book storyteller because when they start to do the accents, if they're not good, it sounds racist as hell. Yeah. So you got to have a guy that's like yeah. really, really good and like nails like the actual uh, the actual accent of yeah. wherever this person is from. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you're kind of like I hope. Hope nobody hears me listening to this out loud. <laughs> I hope it nobody sounds buys like, this sounds book. like I've got really dumb friends. Yeah, <laughs> the one business. What I do this product. Telling a bad joke. I hope nobody buys this. Um, yeah. I love combine time of year. You know what? And it, look, this is probably symptomatic of the combine every year. I'm looking at the trailer wheel and frame text page right now. Um, this is probably how it is every year. But we have the benefit of now being in a market that needs a quarterback in a year where. The Texans have the number two pick, not the number one pick, so there's a little more sauce on whether to trade up and whatnot. And all of these quarterbacks have flaws. There's no Trevor Lawrence, you know. There's no perceived perfect, you know, perfect with air quotes. But there's no uh, 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 trans, uh, transcendent star uh, quarterback in this draft class. Trailer wheel and frame text page zero three eight three. Bryce Young didn't want the pressure of throwing at the combine. Wanted to script everything instead of going out and doing it in the moment like everyone else. That's all you need to know about him. That plus his <laughs> size is a no go for me. Any of the other three would be a better choice. I guess the the part that gets me there, what I would disagree with, is that's all you need to know about him because it, it's not like Bryce Young is the first top quarterback candidate to not throw at the combine. Uh, there are many many before that didn't throw at the combine. It's 
it's probably just the smart decision. It's it's a feather in your cap if you show up and show that you're willing to compete and all that. But it's also maybe a little bit short-sighted and dumb because he's already he's already considered the best overall quarterback skills-wise. There's no reason to inject any doubt into somebody's mind. So I think it's a it's a smart strategic decision. It's like uh, sitting out uh, sitting out the bye week. It's, when a team has a bye in the playoffs, are the, should they insist upon an opponent because, damn it, they want to show just how good they are? Yeah. That was like his bye week. He got the he earned the bye week in the, in the form of not having to throw at the combine. Nine nine four six on the trailer wheel and Frank text page boils it down. I think pretty well. Which one resembles Patrick Mahomes the most? <laughs> yes, just do that. Yeah. Well, to- okay. Let's see. Which one resembles Patrick Mahomes the most? Might be Will Levis. Uh, Might be. You know, just in terms of not because as a as a college prospect, yeah. Because as a college prospect, Pat Mahomes, one of the big concerns with him was like, all right, this guy just doesn't seem to give a damn about taking care of the football or throwing interceptions. Um, which I mean, I'm still shocked. But he's got a big arm though, and Will yeah, Levis he's got has an a big incredible arm. arm. Yeah. yeah, and yet people still act like. People still act like Cliff Kingsbury developed Pat Mahomes instead of Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, like in a bad way, got Pat Mahomes drafted 11th overall. Win with him? Like, are you, are you kidding me? Yeah, Pat Mahomes, you can't have a winning record for two years there. Your last two years uh, at Tech, and then Pat Mahomes gets drafted 11th. Yeah, you gonna tell me if Andy Reid was Pat Mahomes' college coach, he wouldn't have gone number one overall? Come on. All right. Um, speaking of Patrick Mahomes, his teammate Travis Kelsey hosted Saturday Night Live. This weekend, how did he do? The monologue is always the big thing. How did he do in the monologue? We've got the best and the worst of his monologue jokes for Travis Kelsey next. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, good to be with you on a uh, Monday, Payne and Pendergast. Back in studio, back from Florida, thanks to Shoppa's John Deere and Academy for sending us down there last week. Travis Kelsey was the host of Saturday Night Live this weekend, and I don't know. I you know Travis Kelsey seems to be a guy who's supremely popular in Kansas City and deservedly so. Outside of Kansas City, I would say maybe a little polarizing. You know, as far as his just his uh, just his vibe and his personality. You know, the, I think a lot. I think there are people in Kansas City that get a little tired of Travis Kelsey. Okay, well there so, you go. So yeah. he's really paddling a, upstream. Well, he was real. I mean, he was looked at as like very immature, younger in his career, and yeah. Then, yeah obviously, he came around and. But but there's a I, I feel like Travis Kelsey can be a little much sometimes to some people. Maybe I'm trying to be more uh, a more forgiving and open person about stuff like this. Yeah. So I think he is just Bafo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, he was uh, he was the host of Saturday Night Live this weekend. I think the hardest part probably for these guys is is the monologue because you're yeah. up there telling jokes. I'm 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 sure like a lot of it's on a telestrator, obviously, and the crowd is clearly coached into cheering and laughing at certain times with different indicators in the studio. I hope I'm not, you know, breaking kayfabe here, but that's, they use, that's what happens. Um, they don't use a telestrator on SNL, Sean. They use a... The cards? Uh, the, the, the cards, yeah. Okay. Maybe for the monologue. Maybe maybe for the guest host for the monologue, they use a telestrator because it's easier. But, but Either um, way, he is not yeah. going from, you know, he's not doing this, uh, you know, just off of memory. He's He's got yeah. prompts. Um, and, and by the way, that's the first thing you're doing live in front of the audience as well. So you're, this is where you get your feet wet by yourself up on the stage in a pretty uncomfortable environment. Um, but Travis Kelsey pointed out that, um, 
he felt like he would do pretty well at this monologue because of his pump-up speeches he gives to his teammates. I'm honored that SNL asked me to host. I was nervous about doing a monologue, but then I remembered, um, actually, I'm pretty good with words. I'm pretty good with words. Like, during uh, games, I do these super eloquent pump-up speeches for my teammates. Please watch. More, 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 more. And sometimes I even do it in my Pat Mahomes voice. Bob, more, more, more. Do it, do it. Love you, Pat. Uh, That's right. I, I knew you'd like that part. Yeah, yeah. Little of the Pat Mahomes thing. Little Mahomes yeah. voice. And, and for the, obviously, this is an auditory thing, not a visual. But I think you can tell. He's basically just walking around the sidelines. Multiple clips of him just walking up to teammates going, more, more, more. Like a whack-a-mole yeah. almost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, grade that joke, Seth. Uh... I don't know. It was uh, that was I don't like uh, I don't know a B I guess. Okay. I, yeah, it was a good it was a good vision. He was making fun of himself. Yeah. Um, that was good. I think it's important for the athletes when they go out there because the vast majority of people there might not actually know much about Travis Kelsey. There are a lot of people watching SNL, even though in our world he's very famous. The majority of people won't, and they're just going to see a big cocky football player. So it's important for the athletes to poke fun at themselves quickly, which he did. So that was he, he did it multiple times, and you'll hear yeah, a couple more yeah. coming up. Self deprecation. Was huge. That's why I think this was a, overall a pretty successful monologue. Here was yeah. a joke. His brother and his parents, his brother Jason, center for the Eagles, and his parents were in the crowd. Some of the funniest things with Jason were visual, so I didn't include them in here, like the, just showing his face at some of the things, which was part of the joke. Um, but here he was. Here was a joke on him beating his brother in the Super Bowl. You know, people keep asking me what it was like to beat my brother in the Super Bowl, and um, it was pretty awkward. Uh, especially because after the game, we had to ride home together. Our mom drove us there in her minivan. It's like the good old days. Yeah, that was a good joke. Okay, yeah, yeah. I thought so too. It's yeah. a good, good, solid monologue I mean, joke. He didn't write the jokes, but he's uh, uh, but he did a good job with them. That was a uh, yeah. He was he, he seemed comfortable. Delivery is big. No yeah, one's asking yeah. him to write. He just needs to deliver. So I thought that yeah. one was good. Um, I would recommend going and finding this because the moments with Jason in it that don't translate well on the radio but were really funny are worth looking at. Here was, here was another one from Kelsey. Self, self-deprecation, key. Comparing him with his older brother, Jason. Jason and I have actually been playing football together since we were little kids, and he was always better than me at everything. Um, in high school, he was an honor student. And I got kicked off the team because I failed French. <laughs> and English, too. But French sounds way better. Uh, and then when we were in college, uh, I actually got kicked off the team because I tested positive for marijuana. So it just goes to show you, if you smoke weed and you're bad at school, you can win the Super Bowl twice. <laughs> that's, um, that's, that's not going to play well with the people that wrote the letters to the editor uh, to the Kansas City Star oh, after, yes. after people had Seth been drinking. Seth you're a after genius. The, <laughs> after the Chiefs had been drinking during the Super Bowl parade, that's going to get. Oh, there are going to be some letters dude, this morning. Dude, this is a big day for the Kansas City Star. They're coming yeah. in like, why is our inbox full with weed emojis in the subject header? <laughs> what were your kids doing up at 1130 oh, at night? My God. Well, 1030 Central. So dude, uh, <laughs> That is a great call. Oh my God, the Kansas City people who got mad at them drinking beers on a float in the parade you know what it is funny though it's different now because youtube is so much more what the what the kids are likely to be watching that i guess 
People used to get on late night television and tell jokes that the kids would never hear. Where now there will be a lot of eleven year old kids this uh, this weekend who are watching uh, Travis Kelsey talk yep. about how he just kind of phoned it in in high school and everything worked out all right. And you can win it <laughs> twice. <laughs> the best the visual. Kids that, kids that don't quite get uh, they don't quite catch the meaning of jokes yet yeah. are just going to hear that. Yeah, his delivery was really good on that one. You can't tell on the radio, obviously, but visually, like the way he said, "You can win the Super Bowl." Tw-. He did that thing where he like swings his arm like this. Like, you can win it twice. Uh, He's it was- wearing a double breasted suit by yeah. the way yeah what I did you think to point that out to you yeah i don't i'm not a fan of the return of the double-breasted suit you you criticized jonathan gannon for the double-breasted suit yeah. and i said look man it's actually it's actually making a comeback yeah uh it still looks it doesn't look right to me uh it doesn't look it looks like you're trying too hard to look like a 1990s wall street uh, broker i agree i agree i'm yeah. not all the way there on the double-breasted suit um all right last one from travis kelsey self-deprecation again kids self-deprecation is the key here is Travis Kelsey on reminding us that this is this is not his first foray into television. This isn't my first time hosting a TV show. I actually had my own dating show on E! called Catching Kelsey. Uh, it was kind of like The Bachelor, uh, except instead of roses, I handed out footballs, and instead of watching, people did not. <laughs> Which was uh, a little embarrassing, but I have to say... I got pretty good at reality TV. That show is owned by NBC Universal, so it should be on Peacock, but Peacock said, nah, we good. (laughs) (laughs) And the cackling you heard was Jason Kelsey. (laughs) Yeah, they zoomed in on Jason laughing there. A couple times they had him deadpan, just not laughing, you know, when they're making fun of him, and then they... Uh, and then at the end, he's laughing. He real was hard cackling. Yeah, it was Kelsey. it was really funny. That was a really. I mean that that reality show was. I remember watching like four minutes of it and just being unable to watch because of the cringe factor. It was. Uh, that, <laughs> yep. I wonder what Jason. Jason must have told him not to do that stuff back when he was. Uh, Travis Kelsey was a disappointment as a player at the time. Yeah. And he's out there doing reality dating shows in the offseason. It was like The Bachelor, except Chris, uh, Travis Kelsey was The Bachelor. I think sometimes maybe failing at something, even if it's not football, like failing at something. Like Travis Kelsey probably thought he was going to be amazing on that show because everybody yeah. tell, his teammates are telling him how funny he is and what a personality he has. And Some of them maybe. Some of them may have hated him. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, failure was probably, in, even in a realm like reality TV, was probably a, a nice, uh, a nice uh, dosage of uh, humble pie for him. The, yeah, but the danger is what if it had actually worked? Because sometimes, look, uh, reality TV does not reward your best character traits. Yeah. It's, usually, it's usually the opposite, right? It's usually the stuff that maybe keeps you from being a, a complete person, <laughs> makes you a really good reality TV show star. So I, uh, yeah, I, if, if you've got character or personality issues, I don't think you should be doing reality television. Okay. There's too much of a chance that you might be awesome at it. How, did you, how do you think he did in his monologue overall? How do you think he I did? thought he did. As far as athletes go, yeah. I, I don't know. We're somewhere like on the, to the right side of the curve a little bit. I mean, like a, 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 B, a yeah. B minus yeah. or so. Yeah. yeah, I think other guys are more naturally funny and charismatic. I think he, uh, I think he just always strikes me as a guy who's just still trying kind of hard to come off a certain way. How did JJ do in his monologue? Do you remember? I can't remember the monologue. I thought he did really well in the skits. He did great in the skits. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you have you watched any of the skits yet of Kelsey? Uh, no, no. The, the, some of them are really good. Uh, they, like any Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live kind of front ends the show. With the good yeah. stuff, they've always done that because that's 
their highest audience is usually, you know, from 1030. It's usually the first 45 minutes of the show had more people watching than the last 45 minutes. Um, some of the skits with Kelsey were really, really funny. I wonder who's the best, who would be the best Houston athlete right now to do it? That could do Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Oh, boy. That's a good one. Text in. I mean, they, don't, they don't do many guys who aren't. They're either football players or they're super, super, superstar basketball players. Yeah. I can't remember that many baseball players doing it in recent years. Yeah, that's the problem. Like our, the, the, two, the two sports where they pull most of the guys from are the two sports where we're at the bottom of a rebuild right now. We don't have any real personalities. <laughs> yeah. Shangoon would be funny just for, uh, which, by the way, Rockets showing signs of life last night uh, or yesterday, which was, uh, yeah, like, um, it's true. It's true. You're safe to, you're safe to consume it. Um, Shangoon would be funny just from uh, how, how maybe bad he might be in some yeah. of it and yet dude, still funny to dude, laugh at. It might be Boban. <laughs> Oh, Boban would be on. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That might be it. Boban would be awesome. He would. That commercial of him doing the color commentary. Yes. Where he says, bounce, it bounces, he bounces, he bounces, he bounces. Yeah. I mean, it may have a short shelf life over a 90-minute show, but, man, it would be funny for the first few skits. What is that a commercial for? I forget. Where he's doing the color commentary. I, and he's ca- I'll look he's, it he's up. He's calling out every time the ball bounces. Yeah. I'll, I'll look it up. All right. Uh, Payne and Pendergast with you on a, uh, on a Monday. Uh, mock draft injection time. Get ready, kids. It's the uh, mock draft injection time. We've got a post-combine mock draft from the Pro Football Network. So we look at the NFL draft through the eyes and the prism of experts telling you what the Texans are going to do. And it includes a trade for the Texans, but not involving the number two pick. So we'll get to that next. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast with you. We'll get to headlines here in just a minute. Daily mock draft injection coming up here shortly. This is an interesting one. This is one that I'm sure will generate a lot of activity on the trailer wheel and frame text page. Um, Thank you. you know, we've been doing the show long enough. Yeah. Um, the uh, the activity being generated right now, real quick, just some yeah. suggestions. We just played some of the Travis Kelsey uh, audio from his monologue on Saturday Night Live, and Seth asked a good question. If we're localizing this, who would be the most likely Houston athletes or the best Houston athletes to host Saturday Night Live? Um, we suggested Boban. Um, we, uh, <laughs> Seth had a good Shen Goon suggestion. Um Bregman is getting a lot of run on the text page, and that would yeah. stand to reason. He just got done hosting the Houston Sports Awards and did a pretty good job at that. I think he would do the best at it, or one of the best at it, except that I just I feel like it's the least likely invitation, unless the unless SNL wanted to just get the people that would hate watch it to tune in. I think that, unfortunately, Bregman and, and a lot of those guys are going to be Persona non grata for for big stuff like that. He'd be good at it though. You know the yeah, a, no, the H the H E B commercials are yeah. also a uh, platform for that kind of thing. I feel like he would. It might be good. It might be good to kind of turn public uh, sentiment back. Maybe the, in, in in the right direction. Made me like Travis Kelsey a little bit, and I can't say that was the case all that long ago. Uh, Damian Pierce is getting a lot of love on the uh, on the trailer wheel and frame text page. Damian would be really good because of his personality. Um, He'd have to slow his speech down. He talks so fast. He'd have to. He'd have to get the monologue. It would be tough. It's hard to. It's hard to slow down when you've got such a desire to speak fast. It. It took me about twenty years to partially succeed. So I don't know if uh, that. That would be a good, his. His personality would be awesome, though. Now we got this last one, and then we'll do the mock draft injection for the day here. Um, 
People, multiple people on the trailer wheel and frame text page suggesting Dusty Baker. Oh yeah! Plus, you know what Dusty would be good at? He knows everybody. He's got he's got all of the plants in the crowd would be amazing. Yeah, they'd be cameos for some all time greats. That would be a good one. Dusty would be really good, and Dusty would have fun with it. I think he'd be open to doing a lot of the goofy stuff that other guys might be, you know, to worry too much about the looking dignified. I think I think Dusty would go for it. That would be a good monologue joke, actually, where Dusty like brings up like. You know, people know that I, people say that I know a lot of people and I've, you know, through my days, I've met some really famous people. It's really not what it, what it's, you know, what it seems. And then he proceeds to point out like six super duper famous people that he's friends yeah. with, like one at a time throughout the monologue would be, uh, would be, a, would, it would be would a good to bring bit. Bill Cosby in on Zoom or is the, uh, <laughs> how would they do that? Now that would be funny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it would get headlines. Yes. Would be a- <laughs> yes. By the way, I saw Cocaine Bear this weekend. I'll say oh, yeah? that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very funny movie. Do we Very, have a review? I will do. I'll do it later. I've got it slotted okay. later. I just, uh, I, I just want to point out that I did see the the humor level of Bill Cosby coming in on the Zoom kind of falls into the same humor in Cocaine Bear. It's very, uh, very dark humor in okay. Cocaine Bear. Yeah. Um. So, uh, let's get to the daily mock draft injection. This is Pro Football Network. Uh, Dalton Miller is the name of this particular uh, draft expert. And uh, the mock draft for this one has the Indianapolis Colts moving up to number one to take Bryce Young. And that'll be something, you know, has C.J. Stroud made us feel a little better if that happens, that there's a good option sitting at number two, something we'll talk about, I'm sure, not just today, but probably several days. I think that, uh, I look, I could talk myself into any one of these guys based on their upside. I think they all, all four of these top guys have upside. Um as far as C.J. Stroud, I don't – C.J. Stroud might make me the most nervous in terms of just how big his upside is. Um, I feel like he would be the least likely to bomb and yet also might have the upside of like a Derek Carr. And I just don't know if I want to use the number two overall on a potential – Derek Carr, okay. and, uh, who's got Mulligetta as his agent. Yeah. Too. Derek Carr, but wait. Mulligetta is his agent. Wait, there's more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, th- this, this this mock draft in particular gets interesting then because Bryce Young goes to the Colts with one, with the number two pick in the Pro Football Network Dalton Miller mock draft. The Houston Texans select with the second overall pick. Anthony Richardson, quarterback. Oh boy. Florida, oh yeah, look the hell oh out. Boy. Here's what he says. <laughs> Houston wasn't interested in moving up a pick because they were fine with two quarterbacks in this class, and the team didn't want to give up multiple picks because they're still very much rebuilding their own roster. That makes sense. Many will see this pick as a beer league softball home run swing, but that's not the <laughs> truth. Anthony Richardson is not some blank slate QB prospect, prospect with a bad process and innate accuracy issues. His inconsistencies <laughs> with his accuracy – stem from mechanical issues in his lower body, which are completely yeah. fixable. Mm-hmm. You can see him working through his process on tape, but as a one-year starter, he hasn't had the reps to sharpen that skill set. He's an athletic freak who wants to play from the pocket, but isn't afraid to drop things into first gear and put the hammer down, whatever that means. I guess that means scramble out of the pocket, what C.J. Stroud doesn't do. His path toward early success looks like Josh Allen's, oh boy, once the Buffalo Bills started uh, started. But the Buffalo Bills star started carrying the ball more. Justin Fields has proved you can find offensive success while growing as a passer because of the QB run game. 
The uh, this is where Josh Allen is so hazardous to your health because uh, you know Josh Allen is a guy who wasn't accurate in college at all, and uh, it was just asinine in the opinion of some clowns, like even myself, even even asinine Seth Payne said that uh, guys just it's rare for guys to fix their accuracy issues, and Josh Allen is one of those rare guys. It's very very rare, and yet at times it happens. Um, but I think like to just cavalierly say, oh, they're all just mechanical issues. All you got to do is fix those and then off you go. Yeah, what's as the big guys, deal, Seth? As if guys have never been coached in their entire lives before uh, and the concept of mechanics is something that's new to them at the age of 22. Right. It's just not so simple. This is where it happens, man. This is where the combine kills a lot of uh, drafts is when the coaches are late to the process – their first, and this is why some teams I think don't like having their coaches at the combine. They come in, they see guys who have these, these incredible physical skills, and all the coaches are like this: "I can fix them." Yeah, yeah, ah, ah, sure, he's got issues, but he ain't been coached by me yet. Yep. Like they're, you know, like they're like they're some savants or something. Mm-hmm. So that's the scary part about Anthony Richardson. But I'm not going to deny that the upside is uh, is is. Very tantalizing. Very tantalizing, no yeah. doubt. So in this particular mock draft, Anthony Richardson is the pick. Now let's get to the second pick the Texans have. And, well, there's been a trade. They've traded up from 12, Seth, to 7 with the Las Vegas Raiders. So the Texans receive a the 7th overall pick and a 5th for, uh, for the 12th pick, a 4th rounder, a 5th rounder, and next year's pick from Cleveland in the first round. So... A first next year, and then a couple day three picks to move up from 12 to 7 to draft with the seventh pick in the Pro Football Network Dalton Miller mock draft. The Houston Texans select Will Anderson Jr., who in this draft has fallen wow. all the way to seven. Now, here, here are the six players taken ahead of him. Let's do, uh, let's, do a, uh, let's do the smell test on this and see if this passes muster. Could this happen? Yeah. Uh, Bryce Young goes one to the Colts. Anthony Richardson goes two to the Texans. Panthers trade up for C.J. Stroud at three. Bears sit at four and draft neither Jalen Carter nor Will Anderson. They draft Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher from Texas Tech, who I think is going to pick up some buzz as this process goes on. Seattle gladly takes Jalen Carter at uh, at five, which is uh, scary because they're a good football team. Christian Gonzalez goes to the Lions at six. He's a cornerback out of Oregon, which leaves Will Anderson sitting there at seven. Yeah, I think that's where the edge rushers and the defensive linemen are. There's some freakazoids in the mix, and I think that that um, you know it's a weak year for wide receivers. So, edge rushers, defensive line, I think those guys might be. You could have several top guys that different teams have rated differently. So, Will Anderson. I mean, nice just for the for the short term glow of it, in that like nobody is knocking Will Anderson down because they see flaws in him or anything. It's more that as some of these guys start to test and you start to see the freakishness of some of them, somebody's going to fall in love with somebody that maybe has like unheard of test scores. Um, so, yeah, I would, I'd, be, I'd be stoked about this. Of all what, did the, we, what did we give up to trade for him? We gave up to move up five spots. They gave up a fourth, a fifth, and the first rounder from Cleveland next year. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, because you and I have been staunch. We don't want to give up any first round draft capital yeah. to move up from two to one. Now, Will Anderson, I don't know, man. Let's. I. I don't. I wouldn't do this deal. I wouldn't. But 
I tell, I'll say this. Of all the mock drafts you and I have gone through, and we go through one a day. At this time, yeah. every day, we go through a mock draft. Of all the ones that we've gone through where they're picking two and picking 12 for the most part, we've, been in, we've done some where they move up to one. We've done some where they trade out of 12. We did one. They traded out of 12 and, and traded it for T. Higgins, stuff like that. Of all the ones we've done, this is the one, Seth, where the Texans are most likely to be the talk of the draft after day one. Yeah. Where they we're coming when we come in on Friday, if they draft Anthony Richardson with the second overall pick, and they move up to get Will Anderson with the seventh overall pick, they are on Friday morning the talk of the NFL draft that morning. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And uh, we're like last year. Last year, the Texans actually got uh, a, a little bit of love after, really after day two was when they started to look at it and say like, oh, look at that, they got. Frankly, they just they got guys from big schools. They did, so people knew their names. You know, <laughs> I'm not even saying it'd be deserved. They would yeah, just be the yeah. talk of. They would be the, the they would be the topic on all the shows on Friday morning. They would get they would get good grades because there's nothing more than especially especially when the draft Knicks spend an entire year talking about Will Anderson being a top two pick. Then uh, for whatever reason, when somebody picks him up at seven, it turns into like, wow, I can't believe they did it. I can't believe they found a way to get Will Anderson at seven because my projections had him at number one or two. Yeah. I agree with you. They would largely get good grades, but I think part of why they'd be the talk is just how polarizing a prospect Anthony Richardson is going to be. I don't think yeah. there's anything he can do in the draft process. All he has left is pro days and visits. There's nothing he's going to do that's going to make people feel like all of a sudden he's a day one starter anymore. Yeah, I just I for for right now, I would agree with a couple of our listeners even when we brought up the prospect of the Texans drafting Anthony Richard. Uh they 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 the uh, well one of them called us idiots, Sean. Idiots, us. You sure it was uh, for that? <laughs> we were just talking about the prospects of it happening. Yeah. But I agreed with him even after he called me an idiot. Yeah. I did agree that it doesn't like Richardson doesn't seem to fit the mold of what Casario is looking for, um, especially since accuracy is a, is a big thing. So I, and then I think both between D'Amico and Casario, I don't think either of them is in, I don't think either of them would fall in love with any of these prospects um, to the degree where they were able to overlook a lot of the concerns. And I think with Anthony Richardson, there's a whole lot of upside, but the boomer bust prospect is just too great for where the Texans are right now. I think that if you look at the 49ers, the 49ers, even in taking trade and la- Trey Lance and, and trading as aggressively as they did, they're in a position where they were still a good team with or without Trey Lance. Um, the Texans are not like that. You know, I, I don't think that they can uh, invest heavily in a guy that is so unproven um, and just waste that pick when you could be taking something that's more of a certainty. I still think Bryce Young is the top quarterback on the Texans board. That, that's that's my feeling. I think he 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 seems to me just and, and and I'm only going off of the things that Nick has said on this yeah. show and other things about what he looks for in quarterbacks and just looking at the quarterback whose personality feels like it might fit what this team is going to look like moving forward the best. And it's yeah. not to say that Stroud and Anthony Richardson have terrible personalities or whatever. I just seem to think Bryce Young fits what they want to do, and they're in a position where if they want him, they can go get him. You know, even at two, if they want to, they nobody has more to pay to go get Bryce Young if they want to go get him. It would sting because all you needed to do was lose that game against the Colts, a highly losable game, but yeah. you are where you are now. If you want him badly enough, then go get him. I mean, it, it, it would suck having to give stuff up to do that, but this is where you are. This is where you put yourself. I think, um, and then the other concern with Will Anderson uh, is just his size. Yeah. You know, he's not a, and, and I don't, that's where I wonder if 
he's really the type of edge player that D'Amico Ryans wants. When D'Amico puts such a um, – now, and it's not like Anderson plays small. Like, I think he, he does a, 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 a fine enough job doing the strength types of things. Um, but D'Amico is very much about just – bullying people with yeah. physicality yeah. Yeah. that's part of his mindset and i don't know if i don't know if will anderson quite fits into the mold of the types of like nick bosa looking guys that he would like all right um let's get to but you're listening to klt and klt hd2 an odyssey station 